a Tricky Kid Media original presentation distributed by iHeartRadio. All right, you sinners, swing! Welcome to an exciting addition to the Tricky Kid Radio Podcast Network, hosted by filmmaker and DJ Roy Turner. Hey there, everybody. The time has come. I am your host, Roy Turner. Welcome to Center Swing, the Van Halen podcast. This has been a long time coming, and we're launching on a very, very special day today. Today is the 40th anniversary of their fifth record, Diver Down, that was released on April the 14th. 1982, and as you know, all your listeners on our regular show, which is Tricky Kid Radio, which I hope that you're subscribing to, and if you just happen to be a Van Halen fan that came across this, I hope you'll give us a listen over there. Just type in Tricky Kid Radio, it'll come right up. We're doing uh, all things 1982 as part of our, <clears throat> excuse me, all of our all things 80s. For example, like in 2020, we did 1980. That was 40 years. And last year, we did 81. And now we're doing 82. But separate from that, some things you just can't contain in one episode. So not only did Van Halen and Diver Down get its own episode, it got its own show. We're so glad you guys are joining us here. We've been working on this so diligently and so hard for the last few months to to get this launched. And, uh, And here we are. And, you know, we got several, you know, a whole bevy of, of episodes already, like, in the can that were a part of the original Tricky Kid Radio show that we've kind of tweaked and and added things to and, and to bring you a thing. Well, gosh, you know, it seems like I do a Van Halen episode, you know, at least once a year, sometimes two. Sometimes I've done three or more in a single year. So it just made sense, you know, because it's like, you know, instead of looking for Tricky Kid Radio and looking for this little gem hidden inside that, let's go right to the Van Halen fans. Let's get right in their faces. And I'm so proud again to bring you Center Swing, the Van Halen podcast. And I hope you can follow us. We already have our own Twitter feed. It's called I Love Van Halen. Just use the at symbol and I Love Van Halen. And of course, this is the latest edition, a part of our Tricky Kid Radio podcast network thank you again for following along it's so great to to uh speak directly to the 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 mighty van halen army and the van halen nation out there and uh again we like i said we do have some you know those other episodes in the can but the official launch is with this brand new episode you're hearing right now which is called diver down the life and legacy of eddie van halen of course we we couldn't start uh, without a tribute. I, I've been struggling and wrestling with what to do for uh, a while now. I can't believe it's been almost it's two years since he's been gone, and I didn't want to do something immediately. I was just in complete shock. We also had just lost Neil Peart earlier that year. It's just crazy how both of those bands uh, really kind of got their start the same year. They toured together. They ended the same year. Their last records came out in the, you know, in the same years. It's just there's a, there's a great parallel there. <clears throat> And but I'm just sad to hear that it extended that we lost, you know, Neil Peart and Edward Van Halen in the same year. So then also people kind of tend also to get kind of what you call, I guess, uh, memorial fatigue or or grief fatigue, whatever. So I just thought, you know what? I don't have to do it on anyone else's schedule. I don't have to do it when I'm going to do it when I feel like it. 
And that's when the ideas started coming. And I thought, okay, well, I've already got these other episodes and, and I know what I want to do. I have a title, Diver Down. Okay, what does that mean? And, and you know, it's kind of what it implies a little bit. You know, we've lost somebody, Diver Down, uh, meaning that we've lost. It also is, of course, is a code for uh, when, you know, it's literal meaning of when somebody is <clears throat> scuba diving i guess and looking for a hunt i guess officially and you know i guess if you could if you're reaching a little bit there knowing david lee roth it could also could be a bit of a double entendre but i won't explain that to you you're on your own there okay so i thought okay it's called diver down and then i guess somehow i got the knowledge or i came across the knowledge that wait a minute, Diver Down was released in 1982. Okay, we're doing our 40th anniversary thing. Let's do a special on di on that album. Wait, no, and that conversation just became a much larger conversation. Pitch the idea to the network, and here we are. So thank you again for joining us for technically the very very first episode of Sinner Swing uh, that is under this new umbrella. Do once again want to encourage you to check out the other ones because again we've got some great ones. Um, you know, there's a an author uh, from a few years ago from Tulsa uh, that is kind of a lot of people um, were very impressed with him and and uh, you know legitimate or not uh, kind of put their faith uh, in 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 him. His name was Greg Renoff. He wrote a great book called Van Halen Rising. And we were literally the very first person to interview him, uh, even way before the book came out. Uh, then, of course, the legendary manager, Noel Monk, during the David, the first run of David Lee Roth years from 78 uh, to 84. We have a two-part special uh, there with him that you can look for. We also have, we almost got, this also is going to extend to uh, David Lee Roth, of course, and his solo efforts. But that's as far as it is it's going to go. At one point, at some point, you have to kind of reel all that in. And number two, I don't give two shits about Sammy Hagar or any other bullshit. I do love Michael Anthony. But anyway, so yes, if you were wondering if you were going to get any sort of Van Hagar stuff here, this is not this is not your show. Um, but I still invite you to, to, to hang out with us and join us and we do give 51.50 a pass, which you heard Dana say at the, at the top of the show. Uh, so I, I say that to let you know that we will be talking about stuff like Eat em and Smile. And, you know, maybe not go much further past that, but Eat em and Smile Tour was actually my very, very first concert in August of 1986 in the Barton Coliseum in Little Rock, Arkansas. And here we are, unbelievably, almost 36 years later. Uh, and now I have a Van Halen podcast on iHeartRadio. So uh, a great day for me. This is a very special moment for me uh, as well, and I'm glad you're here for it. So I mentioned that because we've got a bunch of Eat em and Smile stuff already up there. Uh, you listeners out there, may you, you don't, uh, since if you're tuning in for the first time, because you, you just came here because of, of Van Halen, you might also be familiar with a band from Texas called King's X. Uh, I'm currently writing, producing, directing a docu-series um, about King's X. I've been working on it for almost four years and hoping to have that out for you for, by the end of this year. And I tell you that because uh, Doug Pinnock from King's X uh, was, always participates in the NAM Jams uh, in January out in Anaheim. And we were out there filming him. 
and uh, was we almost got to see a uh, an Edom and Smile reunion, which is something I've always have hoped would happen with those original four guys: Billy Sheehan, of course, Greg Bissonette, and uh, and Steve I. And it almost did. If you guys have already probably already know this story, it uh, they have this thing in in Hollywood at the Lucky Seven Bowling Alley, where they do these things called Lucky Jams. And a lot of people almost got lucky, pun intended, that somehow it all kind of came together. Uh, and the four of those guys with w- didn't announce it; they were just going to happen. But somehow it got leaked. I even joke. I think Doug Pinnock might also be responsible of how it got leaked, and and, and subsequently how it got shut down. So it never actually happened. And so there was so on the heels of that, there was a lot of anticipation wondering if David Lee Roth was going to show up. And uh, he didn't, but it was still a really great night. Even the girl that gets up and says, uh, uh, not if even if you were the last immigrant grocer on earth, honey, somehow that girl was there from the video and she does that at the beginning of this so uh anyway so we have that from nam and then we actually are speaking um to greg bissonette and steve i in their own individual episodes uh and uh kind of as part of what we call my first concert series because again since they were my first concert uh, I thought it'd be great to talk talk to Greg. Uh, Greg is also a, a, a major factor in our King Sex project, and so grateful. And such a great friend of ours. And anyway, so we sit down for and talk about his first concert, which of course the Beatles, and he's now drumming for Ringo Starr. What a great full circle moment for him. So, so there's a lot of stuff there, and I do the same thing with with the legendary Steve Vai. You guys might have seen this. It was a great book that came out uh, last year. Um, actually, I think it was two years ago. Called "Eruption in the Canyon" uh, with this guy named Andrew Bennett. He's the guy who made a speaking of film. He made a documentary about um, about the Deftones a few years ago, and somehow through a crazy. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think it was with Glenn Ballard, or somehow he ended up spending a year living uh, at Fifty One Fifty Studios there with Eddie Van Halen, and to work on a project that never saw the the light of day, like a lot of the things that happened in, in Van Halen world. Uh, kind of also in the Prince world. And if you haven't turned into our Prince show, I encourage you. It's called Prince the Encore, uh, and you can get that on anywhere you get your podcast. Anyway, so but the result of that did result in a a book called Eruption in the Canyon, and I got to speak with with Andrew about that. We have that episode, and my probably one of my favorite parts of the whole Van Halen lore is uh, the whole Lost Weekend from 1984 from MTV contest. And these great filmmakers that made a lot of stuff that I like, you know, they, they made a one about Glow, the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Uh, and as you know, we have a wrestling show called This Is Wrestling. So type in Tricky Kid Media's This Is Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts. And man, if you're a wrestling fan, I don't mind flexing. I think we have the best show, if you know, out there. It's not one of these super nerdy, we're going to talk a bunch of stats and we're going to be super over it and know it all about it it's just fun like remember fun well we do okay so anyway they made that one they made the one on uh the guy from okay the rock of fire explosion from showbiz pizza and all that well they made a short uh about that last weekend with the guys that won and so we spoke with them about that that's on there and now that brings me to my our special guest for this special 
episode of Diver Down, The Life and Legacy of Eddie Van Halen. And again, we, we could go and span his entire career, but we're really just going to focus just on 1982 for this episode. But that brings me to legendary photographer Mark Wiseguy Weiss. He's got a great book out called The Decade That Rocked. And we had a great, great chat with him. He's also in our King's X Project. He's such a great dude. I grew up just idolizing him with dreams of being a photographer and a filmmaker and being involved in rock and roll and, and, and everything else. He's such a great dude. And just seeing every magazine, I would just save up my money and, and mow lawns and whatever and run to the store to get circus and faces and hit parader like you all probably did in the 80s as, as a young person. And it was so great to, to meet him. And now he's somebody I can call a friend. And uh, so I can't wait for you guys to hear from Mark because he was actually there on the last weekend. So if you've ever seen the footage of MTV or you've seen that documentary, when they get to the hotel room and there's you can actually see the photographers that are, you know, that are doing that. That's Mark. And I'm sure that if you're not that, that name doesn't ring a bell, you have seen his images everywhere. Get the book, The Decade That Rock Now, go directly to thedecadethatrock.com. Buy this book from Mark directly. Don't go to Amazon. Amazon makes more money off the books and the authors. Go directly. He'll throw in some bundles with all types of one-of-a-kind shit, and it's just a great book, a great cause, and he's a great dude. Okay, so having said all of that, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to jump right in to Diver Down, the life and legacy of Edward Van Halen. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more Tricky Kid Radio. Tricky Kid Radio is distributed by iHeartRadio and is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Google Play Store. Subscribe for free on the iHeartRadio app or on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to Tricky Kid TV on YouTube.com for a stunning visual look at all the fun we have here, plus exclusive content, short films, and more. Follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle, at TrickyKid2. Type Tricky Kid Radio Podcast on Facebook and DJ Tricky Kid on Instagram. Speaking of which, subscribe now to Roy Turner's alter ego DJ Tricky Kid's amazing Twitch channel at twitch.tv for retro gaming, exclusive DJ sets, as well as DJ instruction and live streaming of Tricky Kid Radio, where you, the audience, can participate and interact with our guests. Don't miss a single stream, so you can be up to date on the latest on all things Tricky Kid. Subscribe now at twitch.tv slash DJ Tricky Kid. All right, all right. Welcome back to Center Swing, the Van Halen podcast. And of course, we're talking about Diver Down. Uh, today, on its 40th anniversary, it was released on April 14th, 1982. It spent 65 weeks on the album charts in the U.S. Uh, and by 1998, it had sold 4 million copies in the United States. Uh, but again, like I said, those are just good stats. And so this is a people's history. What is my history? What is your history with this particular record? I always kind of got to be honest with you, thought of it. It was just kind of like, you know, I will always cherish those first six Van Halen records. And I love a different kind of a truth too, by the way. I mean, I know people kind of, you know, it's kind of hard to, 
accept something when it looks and feels a little bit different after so much time has passed. But I love that record too. But talk about the first six records. But Diver Down, out of those first six, was always, and I think for a lot of people, kind of maybe my least favorite. That doesn't mean that I didn't like it. It just wasn't as strong. Uh, five of the 12 songs are covers. And not obscure covers that you wouldn't know until you like how Metallica does, and like how you oh that was a cover like like everybody knows Pretty Woman and and Dancing in the Streets and, and these these were all big big hits. So it almost felt like a covers record, but uh, and it was always kind of that one. It was like I love Fair Warning, I love Women and Children First, and of course who doesn't love those first two records? And then uh, I love 1984 too, a little more commercial. Uh, but 1984 was actually the first record that I ever actually heard. Uh, you know, I was coming of age uh, around that time. And uh, well, actually, I was only 10 when that came out. But I'm just, you know what I'm saying? Like that was when at the height when Jump and Panama and Hot for Teacher were literally inescapable and everywhere that unforgettable summer. So anyway, so Diver Down is something that I've, I I had to get into retroactively. And it wasn't like there was internet back then. It was just kind of like, oh, they have another record? Oh, I've never seen that one before, you know? And, uh, and so, but now there's actually, like, when I make a Van Halen playlist for myself, like, uh, or whatever, um, and I, of course, I have all the records, and I'm the kind of guy that wants to drop a needle and listen to it on a good sound but if i'm you know riding my bike or jogging and i want to take my ipod with me or something you know nothing wrong with that uh there are at least two songs from this record uh that always make my playlist that that didn't initially back in the day it, it, it took some time uh, I'd like for you to see if you can guess which those two songs are. I'm not going to give it away right now, but I'd like for you to tell me what. If you could pick two songs off of Diver Down, let me know. Go to Twitter at I Love Van Halen and, and hashtag Diver Down and tell me which. Um, if you if you were to pick two songs for a playlist off of this, um, I talked a little bit about what about the album cover and maybe the title earlier. Uh, the, of course, you know, you probably have seen the cover. It's got, you know, the two red uh, uh, with a white stripe through it in the middle. And that's actually, that's actually the flag uh, used uh, in all U.S. jurisdictions uh, that indicates when a scuba diver is kind of currently submerged in the area. Now, of course, you know, like I said, with, with David Lee, uh, you know, and <laughs> I'm sure he's offering some type of... of you know he he will find horniness anywhere or or especially back then you know now i always wondered about the back cover because i was like um you know was that from the what the us festival looked like because you heard about them playing the us festival but then i realized well wow that that actually that couldn't be because the us festival happened after the album came out so what is this massive you know, they're like they're playing in front of you know, like like uh, like Woodstock, like a half a million people, uh, and it's actually uh, a picture. It's from the Tangerine Bowl in Orlando, Florida, that was taken right before Halloween in '81, uh, as they were opening for the Rolling Stones on their Tattoo You tour. So that explains the big old crowd there. Uh, again, it was released on April the 14th. There was a couple of. Um, uh, that same day, the Dancing in the Street single was also released. But earlier in January, the lead single was, of course, Pretty Woman. And, you know, I, I don't mind the Van Halen covers. I mean, gosh, one of their biggest ones was, you know, You Really Got Me. I didn't even know that was a cover until I grew up and everything else. But these were 
just a little lighter. You know what I mean? There's something about them doing the kinks that feels good. And not that I, don't, I dislike these two songs because they can do they, they can't do anything wrong in my opinion. But it was just kind of like I I'm I'm too familiar with the originals. I think that's probably what it was. You know. Uh and you know, so you know, and I think that you know, you, you know, I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know in that sense. In terms of like, you know, Eddie was always kind of like, man, why did we do that? And I think it was because, the, you know, they were going to take a break after Fair Warning, and instead, it was they jumped, they just, you know, they kept that train rolling, didn't maybe have 12 songs ready to go, uh, and kind of maybe relied on the, um, on the covers, you know. And, you know, I talked earlier about how, you know, the 82 episode uh, conversation became, let's do a Van Halen special and Diver Down that became this, this, this own show you're listening to. Uh, I like that comparison because it was recorded uh, from January to March at Sunset Stown. And the reason why I mention it, because if, you, if you've... Um, have ever seen the uh, the Foo Fighters? Uh, Dave Grohl did a great um, uh, documentary uh, called Sound City, and about this very uh, studio and that converse. Uh, and I like how conversations grow. Let's do a documentary on that, you know. And that grew into a conversation of, well, why don't we actually write a record? in that studio using that board and why don't we use the surviving members of people that have re recorded classic records in the studio on that board and form tiny new little bands and write new songs and then let's go tour that and that became a bigger conversation that led to um I, I, sonic highways i think that's what it was where they well let's do that to to a bunch of other different studios and stuff so so i i, I like that parallel there that uh that this was recorded in a place that inspired so much that came later and uh, you know just born out of out of inspiration and not to mention that two of those five covers like i said not, not only are they super popular but the other two um uh, the two I'm talking about, of course, of course, you know, being Pretty Woman and Dancing in the Streets. But then you've got Big Bad Bill is Sweet William Now and Happy Trails don't even have any guitar in them. <laughs> uh, really, I mean, you know, when you think of that. So, so, so that's, so, th so there's that too. And then, uh, the other, then there's three instrumentals. So, I mean, it, it can be challenging. You know, I mean, when you think about this record, there's really only four new songs on it. It's almost like they could have just done like an EP. You know, where have all the good times gone? That, well, actually, actually I'm sorry. That's a cover. <laughs> so I'm talking about like Hang em High, Secrets, and The Full Bug, and Little Guitars. Those four. It was So those, you know, they could have just done those four with maybe like one cover, like where have all the good times gone and made like an EP or something. But... But yeah, so you can see why it can be a bit of a challenge, you, you know, because you, you put on the record and you hear the, the, the Kinks cover and then you got Hang Em High and then the rest of that side is instrumentals or covers. Then you turn over on side two and it starts with a cover and an instrumental and ends the same way. But now let's talk about the strong points because like I said, there are two songs on this of the four new originals that make any playlist that I make of Van Halen and I ask you if you can guess so here's the answer number one 
is I love hang them and cool, but you know, it's fun to say hang them high, you know, and it's got that, you know, hang them high, you know, just a great use of everything you love about Van Halen. Michael Anthony's perfect background vocals, Dave's, you know, total swagger, Eddie's alien like genius, and then there's Alex just kicking ass in the back there. Uh, the other one I really, really love, and it's probably this might also be like top five Mount Rushmore style if we're doing it that way of my Van Halen songs is I love the full bug, man. I love it. I love the, you know, like the best part of a man because all I want to give you, baby, is just the best part of a man. Yeah. Best part of a man. Okay. Uh, take it away, Dave. And I always wondered, like, that's something, that's such a Daveism, you know, like, you know, like, oh, I used to jog, but I, I, but the glass kept falling out of my, uh, the ice kept falling out of my glass. What does that mean at first? Oh, okay. I get it. You're so cool that when you jog, you still kind of take a little cocktail with you. Okay. Uh, so what, what is the full bug? And this is from David Lee Roth. He says, you know when you have a cockroach and they run around the house and get into a corner? Well, we used to have these shoes called PRFCs, Puerto Rican Fence Climbers, okay? And that was aptly titled because if you were running from the police or what have you, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, like when, you know, I, I run from the cops so often that I have to have an extra pair of shoes. And it's not racist at all to name them Puerto Rican, like to suggest that the ones that run from the cops were Puerto Rican. It's just craziness. But, you know, if you were wearing your PRFCs, you could hit the fence at a dead run and your foot would stay in and you would, you know, commence climbing immediately, which was the essence of the whole sport anyway. Okay, so now running from police is your favorite sport. And these were also great shoes for when the cockroach moves into the corner and you can't get at it with your foot or the broom anymore. So, okay, so now we're running from the cops and we're also living in a roach infested house, which I am... No stranger to the uh, the former, no the latter. Which one? Which one comes second? Is that the... <laughs> anyway? You know, man, you just jammed your toe in the corner and hit it as hard as you can, and it, and you did it right. You got the full bug. So this slang means bam. You got to give it everything you got. Make the maximum effort. Do everything possible and get the full bug. Okay, so when you hear that, you're like, oh my God, fuck yeah. Like, I never know what David Lee Roth is talking about, but when you see it like that, count me in. This is the full bug off of Diver Down, and we'll be right back because we're going to get Mark Weiss is coming on, and we're going to get into the tour and a whole lot more. My door, they don't let you pass. Got barely one, gonna buy your ass. Yeah, won't let you pass.
Photographer Mark Wise Guy Weiss is here. Mark, how are you, sir? Thanks, Roy. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for that uh, intro. It's awesome. You mentioned about you're getting involved with MTV, and you did the Bon Jovi uh, uh, house contest. I think there was the hedonism contest with Bon Jovi and all that. But right. before that, there isn't anything. And Mark, I'm telling you right now, like no exaggeration. I tell people that Mark Weiss is like Forrest Gump in the movie where he was at every, every important event somehow that you've always wanted to go to in your life. And not just there, but in the mix. You know what I mean? Like there might be a guy out there that went to Live 8 and Farm 8 and maybe the US Festival, but you were there and in the mix. But there isn't anything in my in this life, Mark, that I've ever dreamed about and wanted to be more a part of than the Van Halen Lost Weekend in 1984. And God damn it, I am talking to somebody right now that was there. There is a, I talked, uh, you remember Noel Monk? He was Van Halen's manager at the time back then. We had him, we had him on the show. He was promoting his book. And, um, and I showed him a picture. I don't have it today, but it's on our website. They wouldn't let me go anyway. But as a 10-year-old, I must have filled out and we were poor. I must have filled out a mountain of postcards to win that. How did you get the gig and walk me through it, man? Put me there. I That is my favorite thing in the fucking world. Walk me through it. So was that, was there not a photo in my book on that? You, you don't mention the last weekend at all. I, I don't. I don't. Yeah. See, it, in the initial... It was there initially. And for some reason, like right now, it's like I'm making a note. So when we do another pressing, I want to add that because certain things just I don't know how it, it didn't make it because that should have been in there. Uh, well, don't get me wrong. I'm not disappointed. I love the book. But that I mean, oh. I almost flipped like, OK, this yeah. is great. I, where's Lost Weekend? I was like, where? It's not here. So to let yeah, that it should have been in there. Well, I was uh, I did an assignment with for uh, Faces magazine. Uh, in 83 um, uh, for uh, MTV, uh, just covering the, the uh, covering the DJs and, and kind of, you know, so that's how kind of I, I met them. Then I got an assignment from us magazine. So I started getting these big assignments and I got to know the staff and, uh, and then we kind of segued into a monthly column in faces and the publicist, Doreen Lauer, took a liking to me and said, you know, we need photographers for uh, these walk-ons. So I started, you know, doing these walk-ons. I got paid like a hundred bucks and a couple hours. And it's a good way to mingle. 
Uh, I was there for Madonna's first walk-on interview with Mark Goodman. Wow. Uh, I was there when I was there when Spinal Tap came in. I think there's a little photo in a there shot. Is there, yeah, yeah. And uh, so they were there, introduced as a real band, and I thought it, it was a real band, like everyone else did. So anyway. I, we had some good times and then they started doing the New Year's Eve show and they hired me for that. And then they started hiring me for all these other special events. And the last weekend was just another one. And they knew I, I was already working with Van Halen and they, you know, it was like a no brainer, like, all right, you know, we want you to go pick up these guys. They're from the East coast. So I met them on the, uh, uh, they picked me up in, in, a, in a limo on the, on the turnpike on the way to the airport. And they didn't know where they were going. And I was the first person they ever met that had anything to do with this uh, on the way over. And so we became friends. We went on this, this plane and this private plane and, and then the shenanigans began. And, uh, you know, for me, it was just another day with Van Halen, uh, but, but with a little, little extra on it because, you know, it was showtime and yeah. they love, they love putting on shows. And when the cameras are around, uh, it, there were, it was always, you know, good stuff going on. So yeah, it was just, it was just another gig. And uh, I mean, I was already touring, doing stuff with Van Halen. They would hire me for, you know, a few days here and a few days there. Uh, and then I magazines. And so it was uh, it was a fun time for sure. But let's slow it down, though. Let's, I mean, like, I want the OK. Movie okay. So, All right. so, so those two guys, those two nerds, by the way, did you see that little short documentary that those guys made? Yeah. You know, yeah, there's some like, yeah, they asked for some of my photos, so there's some photos in there of mine. Them, well, in, they're, them in front of the plane, blindfolded, and uh, you know, them getting you know, doused with you know, cake. You know, those are all my photos. Well, I remember that when you and I were gonna do something, obviously, before the book even came out, you and I were gonna do something about your career, and I interviewed those filmmakers because they made a lot of like a lot of stuff that I like. Uh, and so it was just like, I can't believe that I already am a big fan of you guys and you guys are doing my thing the last week that I wanted to do. I really did. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so when I was interviewing them, I had just, I had just spoken to you that day and they were like, oh, well, fuck, tell Mark, we said hi, <laughs> you know, right, but, uh, right. what, so, but what did you think of the documentary? Did you like it? Uh, yeah, I liked it. I would. I wish it was a little longer, but it was. It was good. Uh, I, again, like I liked it at the time. I remember. I enjoyed it, but I don't remember it now. I mean, right. if, if if I would have watched it twenty minutes ago, I could have gave you a little bit more in depth on on you know what <laughs> right. I thought of it. I don't. You know, I don't remember it. it no worries. It, a lot of the stuff I didn't really like. I didn't know it was that bad. Like I didn't know about the uh, that the that the kid was you know had that problem and. Uh, so it kind of revealed them all that stuff that I didn't know about. I, I, didn't, I didn't either. And, and I, but I got to be honest, I felt like that, that that was what they focused on. And I felt like that, that the reason why they focused on it was because that was the only thing they could focus on because they didn't have the access right. that they Just needed for... to really make that what it, what it could have been. And that kind of goes, that kind of goes for everybody. I mean, like, I mean, none of the guys in Van Halen, I mean, obviously David Lee Roth wrote, his autobiography thing, whatever, but there is, you know, it's like the most undertold story in rock and roll. You might know a guy named, named Greg Rinoff who wrote the book Van Halen Rising. And, and this is no disrespect to, to, to Greg whatsoever. 
but after he put out that book about the prequel leading up to Van Halen, because the book is based about their early days before they get signed. And Greg's a great guy, and we, oh, we've had him on the show, and he's a friend of mine. But what, what's crazy is I see these people talk to and about Greg in that book as if he was in the mix. And, and you know, with all due respect, Greg doesn't know anything more about any of that than, than literally anybody else. And, and that was, you know, and so it, it's weird how people look to him as the mm. authority when he couldn't possibly be, you know, and that's not a diss. I say that. Right. I say that because you're somebody that was actually fucking there. You know what I mean? So, well, yeah, the, the difference between it is like he's a good writer. So he made him he made himself think that he was there, I guess, you know, uh, and me, I'm. For me, it was just another day in the office. Yeah, yeah. But also, I think it's also like the the, the, the fans, too. They they crave information so much that Greg might be the closest thing. So a lot of it, I think they've heaped upon him. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. let's pull this down for a second. So, okay, those two guys were from somewhere, nowhere, Pennsylvania. You're on the East, on the East Coast. So they sent a limo to pick those guys up, and that limo then came and picked you up. So it was just the three of you guys for a, for a car ride, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. And but where did you go? Where, where did that limo go to? To the plane? Yeah, to the plane. And and, and, and where where was that? I, <laughs> you're gonna think I'm an idiot. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you got on the plane with these three guys. Did you watch Footloose with those three guys? Uh, I, I'm going to have to plead. I don't remember again. Okay. Okay. Did they watch, did they watch that on the plane or something? Or Well, part of the thing is this, is that part of, I don't of, remember. Part, well, I know it sounds silly that I'm asking, but I, you'll, you'll, I think you'll get it in a second. Is okay. it part of that to pay for all that had to be promotions? Like not only did, did they win the contest, but they won like, like the video cameras, so like Panasonic paid for some, right. you know what I mean? They wanted yeah, Atari, that, yeah. Atari paid for, you get what I'm saying? So, but a part of it paid for it was, was Sony Pictures was screening Footloose on the actual jet. And so it was in tandem with, the, and all I can think about is, and how the, the promotion made it seem like that they would be watching Footloose with Van Halen. And I was like, there's not a oh. fucking chance that happened. So I just was just wondering when you were on the plane, and they screened Footloose. Any recollection of that at all? I don't think so. I don't know. What did they say? Did they say they, they watched it? They, they, they did, yeah. Oh, then maybe I, maybe I did. I just wanted your... No, I, just wanted I don't your, remember, yeah. Because I just, I can't fucking picture it. You know what I mean? Okay, so the plane, yeah. go, so the plane goes, and it lands where? In Detroit? Is that where y'all where landed? Uh, somewhere in uh, Michigan, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, and so... Yeah. Detroit, um, I think it was. So what is the one thing that you do remember most that sticks out in your mind about those three days? I just remember them being very uh, boyish, you know, very naive. And uh, I, re I remember blindfolding them and taking photographs, uh, you know, giving them the jerseys and, and setting them up for photo ops and whatnot. And uh, the, the main memory is when they went on stage and uh, I remember the publicist, Steve Mandel, took the cake and threw it in his face. Uh, yeah. And then they started running around with the champagne bottles and everything else. And 
and the party actually there's there's footage online of the party that happened that that night i think and they had a lot of record people there and uh everyone was just you know schmoozing around and you could see me in there in a few shots yeah uh, i'm doing oh, I my seeing, i remember seeing you in the hotel room when they first come into the hotel room there's the van halen like crew jackets that they were wearing so they could get backstage yeah. and you were photographing them right there in in the hotel room but here's yeah. the thing that footage you're talking about is online i remember watching on mtv that they brought, uh, I, I think his name was also Mark too. I think, and they brought him him out. No, Kurt. I was in Kurt something or other. They bring Kurt out, and it's in concert. You know what I mean? It's like a, in front of an arena, and he says a few words, and then they douse him with a cake. But what I want to know is the shit that we haven't seen. Like, was there some crazy wild shit going on for a couple of days with those guys and, and, or, or, or what you see is pretty much what you got. Um, I mean, what I've heard, probably what you've heard that, uh, that I think he got lucky with a couple of ladies. Uh, I mean, that's kind of what I heard. I didn't witness anything, but, uh, I think the band set him up with, uh, some women, uh, again, that's what I heard. <laughs> but those girls that, that you see on the video, of course, were uh, were not their girlfriends. MTV made made that happen, right? When the, when they were because there was there was these two girls that looked like they were right. also like fans and all that. Anyway, I love that stuff. I, again, I live for this stuff. I live for the minutia of it. Okay, um, let's talk about this for a second here. Okay, uh, let me get, let go here. Okay, how's this? Help our listeners to understand. Why would a, especially back then, why would a big band, why would they want a photographer to come on tour with them? Like, what is the uh, main well, thing? Yeah, uh, well, uh, with me, uh, they like me, and they, I, I kind of gave them something else to do with the monotony of, of a tour. Uh, then here all of a sudden you got a guy that you want to hang out with and better yet, he'll take pictures and get you in magazines. So it's kind of have, uh, having a friend along, uh, okay. and, and kind of, you know, just inviting someone over to your house for, for a few days or a week. And I would jump on from tour to tour. I would go out with rat then I would go out with Motley and then Ozzy. And, you know, I would like bop back and forth and for, you know, a few days a week, two weeks it depends and you know so i never got bored it's like for me i just kept you know every band i shot it was like meeting three four or five new friends right uh, sure. and, and then, then there was the opening bands that were just starting out and then here i, I am and you know i'm there all day so of course i'm gonna say hi to them and how you doing i'm mark and they know who i am because of the magazines and they're going to be really friendly to me because they want to be in those rock magazines. And then we just, you know, get to be friends and, and they say, Hey, you want to come on our bus with us? And I'm like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and she looks so fucking good. So sexy and so brave. Something got the bite on me. I'm going straight to hell. All right. We're back here. We're talking about diver down and it is a double entendre to, you know, we lost Edward Van Halen. This is a tribute to his life and legacy focusing primarily on 1982 here and diver down was named number three of the 25 greatest rock guitar albums of 1982 list by guitar world magazine 
All right, once again, we're going to get into the Hide Your Sheep tour. Like, what what band is going to name their tour Hide Your Sheep? That's that's a Van Halen thing right there. Now, uh, the tour launched on July the 14th, 1982, right in the middle of summer. Uh, and they did three legs uh, that stretched almost an entire year till May 29th, 1983, uh, and they did almost 100 shows. They did 97 shows. When the North American Leg Tour had c- concluded, uh, they actually accepted an offer because this tour also took them to South America for the very, very first time. You know, they've been touring since 78, and this is another fifth record. But this was the this was groundbreaking for them. They'd gotten so big, they were now being offered to go to South America. That leg of the tour was called the No Problems Tour, and they spent a month down there, if you can believe it. But after performing in South America, and they concluded it with, of course, one of the most infamous Van Halen performances ever. And that was when they agreed to, of course, headline Heavy Metal Day at the sequel to 1982's Us Festival, now in 1983. Where again, once again, they headlined Heavy Metal Day in literally the biggest crowd that they ever played to and probably ever would again. And at the time, it was the highest paid performance anybody, any band had ever played. I think Apple paid them a million dollars to do it to tell you just how they were literally on top of the world. It's also notorious for being one of the worst shows they've ever done. After a hundred shows over a year and a month in South America. David Lee Roth was <laughs> what what adjective could I use to describe the state he was in on stage? Well, once again, my man Mark Weiss was there. Us festival, and again, back to the to the Forrest Gump comparison. You were also at Us Festival. Let's do the list. You were at Us Festival, Live Aid, Farm Aid, uh, and a million others. My favorite. Oh, the, go ahead. Hearing here Aid. Okay, so we're, we're going to get to that. Okay. Is, holy shit, I can't wait to get to that. Um, but I don't go a week in my life in the last 40 years without saying, hey, man, don't be squirting water at me. I'm going to fuck your girlfriend, pal. And you were fucking right there in the pit underneath David Lee Roth when he said that. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. God damn, dude. Okay. <laughs> Talk to me about that. Because on one hand, that is like easily the biggest gig they, they did at the time and one of the biggest gigs they ever did. At the same time, it's also one of the fucking worst gigs they ever did in terms of playing. Walk me through that. What? Why? What was he on, and why was he so fucked up? I mean, like, what? Because he didn't even seem drunk. He just seemed retarded. Like, walk me through that. Uh, there's nothing to walk through. It's just David Lee Roth. You know, he he's he he's usually uh, it, that was him on on and I say I don't mean steroids, but you know, like. It's like his adrenaline and he, David feeds off of an audience. Uh, and when he sees 300,000 people uh, plus in his backyard, 
he just, he's the king and anything that comes out of his mouth, it just comes out. And yeah. I, I never can figure it out. I don't think any of the band could figure it out. And he gets himself in a lot of trouble sometimes. And that night was, you know, watching, like at the time when I was there, it just, I, like I get caught up in the moment because I'm taking photographs. Uh, I'm not even listening. I mean, I'm listening, but I'm not. And when David talks, I always look at him and find it really amusing, whatever he says, you know, even if it doesn't make sense. Uh, and looking back, like a lot of us have, and you can go, oh, God damn. Well, Eddie must have been like, you know, cringing and, yeah. uh, you know, and looking back, you, you, you got to cringe when you watch that. Uh, but it was his party that night and he did whatever he wanted. And, uh, it's also important to note uh, that this is also uh, where Eddie began to use his Kramer guitar that he actually began endorsing. Uh, also in 1982, so we're focusing on that singular year. So that's that that's a very you know that's a that's a sea change, that's a earth shift, a tectonic plate, uh, if you will, in the world of guitar. Uh, him doing that, uh, and he also notably, of course, you know, with the custom double neck. Uh, I think this is also <laughs> on this tour is where. Not only did the cracks start to form, I think the cracks started to form. It started to form long before, but I think that being on the road for a year together, under at the height of this kind of fame and this insanity, is really what like led. And then when 1984 just became even bigger and larger, you know, I mean, David Lee Roth couldn't be contained regardless. And I'm a Dave guy now, so I, I will defend him forever, and I quote him like scripture literally every day of my life. Uh, but I could, you know, if, you, if you've ever seen footage of the US Festival, and I was, you know, we're talking to Mark about one of my favorite quotes, uh, I have to drop it in here now. the attitude man and if you see the uh the the pro shot video of it you can see mark in the pit taking his photo as he's saying that so that's pretty cool um but as you can also can see like you know he just you know mark said it best he thrives off the audience and when he when the audience is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger he's just thriving thriving and thriving and just completely out of control and I think it's also important, the reason why I say that and not to be negative, was because this tour didn't get, from a critical standpoint, did not do them any favors. It did not get them, uh, the reviews of this tour were uh, not positive. Um, and who gives a shit? Because, you know, at that point, like, it was just, 
You know, yes, if you're a paying, you know, you can say it all day long. I'm a paying customer and I want to see, you know, a, a faithful rendition of the songs and I want him to sing well, I want him to drum well, I want him to play well. Great. Okay, cool. But fuck all your entitlement whatsoever. Buy the ticket, take the ride. And all I know is, is I could not wait for David Lee Roth to bring Van Halen to my town. They didn't come on the, to Little Rock, Arkansas on this tour. They actually went to Memphis. I was have been way too young. I was only eight years old to have gone anyway. But I just mean like, like I said, you know, later on in years with the, you know, the, the last weekend contest that I filled out a mountain of postcards. I don't know what I was thinking. Were they going to let a 10-year-old come on this? No. But, uh, you know, my mom wasn't going to stop me and try to break my heart because she knew that Van Halen is... Literally, you know, since that that age has been, you know, a, a, such a big part of my life. But anyway, so I think that getting those bad reviews on top of dealing with, you know, David Lee Roth and the, and the personalities and all that type of I sound so anti-Dave, which is crazy because it's like my whole life and everything that I have ever done has always been like, fuck that. You know, David Lee Roth is my first, you know, concert. He's the man. And here I finally get my own Van Halen podcast, and I spend the first 30 minutes uh, uh, talking about him not doing so well in concert. But but that's one thing was the idea was if you go if you went to go see Van Halen in 1982, you were there to see spectacle. You were there for loud, just over the top, crazy, fun, wild, liberating fucking rock and roll you know what i mean and and that's that's what and that's and in terms of that if that's your curriculum boy did they fucking deliver the set list kicks off much of like how the the performance uh from the us festival again that's another reason why people want to know why there, there wasn't any live records uh during this this period well you there's your answer but uh, it starts off with probably, we talked about Mount Rushmore earlier. Romeo Delight is probably my favorite Van Halen song. Uh, and kicks right in with Unchained. And I, we were talking about the full bug, you know. I mean, what a great song. And like I said, what a, what a great song live. Uh, imagine that. Imagine you're, it's 1982. The world is just a, a, a much more innocent and fun and wild place for, you know, for, for the freedom of rock and roll and the spirit of rock and roll and the spirit of young people to, to uh, just enjoy themselves. Imagine going and them kicking it off with Romeo Delight, Unchained, The Full Bug, Running With The Devil, Janie's Crying. Um, and again, with a couple of new songs, it's a little guitars, the, the new Kinks cover, uh, Where Have All The Good Times Gone? Uh, yeah, Where All The Good Times Gone? Uh, and then and then hang them high, cathedral secrets, uh, and then kicking back a little bit with everybody wants some. Um, somebody get me a doctor, uh, ice cream man. You know these are a bunch, bunch of covers, but you know but those are really the ones that like you know ice cream man to me is a Van Halen song. Pretty woman is not. See that you know I mean I mean that that, that doesn't take a, take a big stretch to imagine that or or to agree with that or or at the very least see where I'm coming from uh, with that. And again, it kicked off on July 14th, 1982 uh, in Augusta, Georgia at the Augusta Civic Center and just kept rolling, man. Uh, they did multiple nights in, in some cities, including right here in Dallas, Texas, <clears throat> and even do, doing so much as doing three nights at the Cabo Arena in Detroit uh, and just rolling over, like I said, like, they, you know, and the party only even got bigger the next year, of course, with nineteen eighty, with a or the, you know the next album and tour in nineteen eighty four. Um, 
I mean, of course, obviously three nights in their hometown there uh, at the Forum at the Inglewood uh, that September. Uh, then also two nights at uh, Daly City, uh, California course there at the Cal Palace uh, in San Francisco. Two nights at the Summit in Houston. And, uh, you know, they did more nights there than, they, you know, they just did the, the one show at Madison Square Garden. But played around the area, like they, of course they played, which was, you know, the Meadowlands, which back then was called uh, the Brendan Byron Arena, Nassau Coliseum up in Uniondale, two nights at the Spectrum in Philadelphia, uh, and three in uh, in Boston, uh, not at the Garden, but they played the worst, the Worcester uh, Centrum. Uh, then it hit, uh, went through Canada, and again, like I said, they came back and did two more uh, dates um, at the Brendan Byrne Arena. Of course, now we call that. Uh, the Meadowlands, I think it's called, one to be called the Izod Center, and God knows what it is now. And immediately after that, they went straight. It's kind of funny how they, they did 14th and the 15th of November back in New Jersey and then came straight to Texas three days later for two nights in Dallas, November the 18th and the 19th at the Reunion Arena. We weren't living here then yet. We didn't get here till 87. But again, like I said, unfortunately, it did skip, uh, it did skip Little Rock uh, uh, that year, that tour. Uh, and just kept rolling on, uh, and then, like I said, then they went on to uh, to South America, uh, and were there for literally a month. Um, they did three shows at, at, in Caracas, Venezuela, three shows in São Paulo, Brazil, three shows in Rio de Janeiro, three shows in Porto Alegre, uh, one in Montevideo, Uruguay, uh, and two in Buenos Aires, which is right up Dave's, you know, his. Alley, the whole the the record Eat 'Em and Smile is actually be, you know you could call that as another double entendre. They were he was now feuding with Van Halen later on. I mean I am gonna end up doing a full Eat 'Em and Smile episode at some point, right? But uh, it was actually he claims it was from a sticker, like a banana sticker, uh, from South America. Uh, the first time he went down there, which I don't know if this was his personal first time down there, but it could have been. Who knows? A lot of firsts there. And again, like I said, and then uh, two months later, uh, on May 29th, 1983, uh, at the Glen Helen Pavilion uh, there in San Bernardino, California, uh, with the US Festival. So, so that was the Hide Your Sheep Tour. Uh, and we got more coming back. Uh, more coming up, I'm sorry, uh, with Mark Wise Guy Weiss in The Decade That Rocked. Next week on Tricky Kid Radio. This has been a presentation of Tricky Kid Media Originals, distributed by iHeartRadio, created and directed by Roy Turner, edited and mastered by Marcus Miller, theme music by The Buck Pets, original score by Jocelyn Hund, artwork by Antora Sandy, marketing and PR by Francesca Miles. Tricky Kid Radio is hosted by Roy Turner with introductions by me, Dana French. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week. When was the last time you saw or spoke to Ed, Eddie Van Halen? Oh, uh, I think I probably in the 90s at a NAM when he was doing some kind of NAM thing. Uh, but really, you know, Monsters of Rock is when I really, you know, hung and, and did all the backstage stuff with Sammy Hager. And that's when uh, that's and then on Jones Beach, when 
Rocky when he did that one show there at Jones Beach in 91 or 92. So that's probably the last time, uh, you know, I hung. And then again, I I passed by, you know, like at the NAMM show, I saw him, said hi. Okay. Uh, but that's, that's probably it. Yeah. So, you know, again, we're going to be celebrating. We, got, we have a show called Diver Down, the life and legacy of, of Edward Van Halen. It's going to be debuting on our brand new show called Sinner Swing, the Van Halen podcast. It debuts on iHeartRadio on April the 15th, which is the day to the day, 40th anniversary of when Diver Down was released. So we're going to be really focusing on that era. Uh, and one of the tour that supported that album was the Hide Your Sheep tour. And guess who was on that tour? <laughs> Mark Weiss, uh, what are your memories from the Hide Your Sheep tour? What year was that? 82. Oh, yeah, that was their, that was at their, their height, really. Or, you know, that was, uh, I remember coming in. I remember David uh, wanted me to do photographs of him. Uh, just follow him around. Like, we would go on a day off and he'll fly a kite. Uh, yeah, just some, do some shots and kind of set up, but not really set up. Just we create our own environment, uh, and then I would set up a backdrop backstage, and I would you know shoot whenever you know they had a few minutes here and there. And uh, I always get a band photo. And during the later years, uh, being about that time. Uh, it was hard to get them all together, but I managed to wrangle them in there. I think one of my last photos were uh, right before the show. And that's always a good time trying yeah. to make them not think about doing the shoot. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, just uh, there were a band where there were four ind strong individuals and they all had really distinct personalities. And they let me, they let me in to, to document, you know, uh, they, you know, I was still getting pictures in the magazines. They, they, they love the, they love seeing, they love photos. I mean, Eddie, not so much, but Eddie just went along. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, whatever I'd ask Eddie, if I could take a photo of him, he wouldn't even say yes. He wouldn't say no, he would just smile. So I took that as a yes. And, <laughs> right. and, and that was, that's what it was like the very first time I shot him in 79 uh, backstage in, in Asbury park. Um just very, you know, photogenic. It's David Lee Roth. I mean, he's like the rock star everyone wanted to be like. He was, you know, he was like they were like the mold of, you know, all the bands that would come in the '80s. Everyone wanted to, you know, they had the throne. Um, yeah. But what is if you had to pick out of all? Like I said, you have been literally everywhere and have done it all. You were at the fucking. Mark, my brother, thank you so much for being so generous today. I, I love you forever. I love the work forever. Uh, and again, I can't wait for people to see, they're going to be seeing the video version of this, that whenever we were in Mark, in your studio, there was those huge... Once again, want to thank my man, Mark Wise Guy Weiss, and he's promised he actually has another... Uh, story actually about the us festival and a few other different things that as you heard him say as well he also he actually has has some memory issues <laughs> like most people that probably were on tour with van halen in the 1980s but his is also a little bit more uh serious unfortunately he had a 
uh, a bicycle accident whenever he was a kid and it causes him not to be able to have um, full memory unless he has um, I don't know what, what prompts his memory but uh, but he did a great job here and I'm so grateful he joined us and again please get yourself a copy of The Decade That Rocked uh, again final thoughts on Van Halen in 1982 with the release of Diver Down and uh, of course the ensuing Hide Your Sheep tour and again, like I said, I, I can't say that I was even privy to any of this at, at that time. I didn't, Van Halen didn't come on my radar uh, until just a few, you know, about two years later um, in January of 84, uh, when, or I guess probably the, the fall of 83, when the, the lead in video for Jump. And I have such great, great memories at a very special place and a very special time in my life as a young person with that. And that's also, and I went on to see, uh, you know, and I didn't, I never got to see them. It's kind of funny, you know, um, we didn't live here at the time, but, uh, the last American little, little stat for you, the last American performance, of Van Halen with David Lee Roth before the reunion in 07 was a three night stand, uh, here in Dallas at the reunion arena that also happened to overlap a two night stand of Michael Jackson, you know, there technically was no thriller tour. His family made him do what it was called the victory tour um, with his brothers. Like, no, you're not going to get to go out by yourself. You have to go out with us. Uh, but it was basically the thriller tour. And it's the only uh, performance ever that that of Billie Jean live with Edward Van Halen. And also, uh, rumor has it, uh, myth has it, that Prince was also somewhere in the audience. And we talk about that on our, on our Prince show. Please check that out, too. Prince the Encore. Just type it in wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we prefer you get it on iHeartRadio. It's exclusive there the first day, everywhere else the next day. Again, make sure you're checking out Tricky Kid Radio. That's Tricky Kid Radio. Uh, go on okay, to our website at tricky-kid.com. It's all there. You can see pictures and more of what we're talking about and see what's coming up. You can see a trailer and a teaser for our King's X project. Go to YouTube and type in Tricky Kid TV. Lots and lots of great stuff there. You actually can see exclusive content with me and Mark Y, stuff that you didn't get to hear here, that you get to see us talking about, about Van Halen and the decade that rocked. I'm personally on Twitter under at Tricky Kid in the number two. And also for this show here, it is at I Love Van Halen. I'm on Instagram under DJ Tricky Kid. And of course, we're on Facebook under Tricky Kid Radio Network. Once again, I am your host, Roy Turner. Again, I want, again, I want to thank you guys for joining us. And I just wanted to say rest in peace uh, to the late, great uh, Edward Lojevic Van Halen. Um, some final thoughts also I wanted to say. And this would be, of course, a subject for another time, but it seems like there's always some new news that's what that that's always been the thing it's like the most undertold story like you go to barnes and noble and there's nine books on van halen and none of them tell you anything like the one that greg wrote was pretty cool it was kind of told you about the beginning of van halen uh but let's be also be clear you know not a single member of van halen participated in that book you know greg doesn't know those guys any more than any of you do and that's not a knock on him i'm just it's just saying like you know eddie never wrote a book alex never uh, and will never write a book. Uh, maybe Michael Anthony will one day. Who knows? But uh, but it's always, you know, like you heard a little bit about, you know, before Eddie died, you know, there was this thing about maybe they were going to go out with the Foo Fighters and they were going to play Yankee Stadium. Literally today, literally today, 
some people were reporting that Jason Newstead just happened to just drop a fucking bomb that Alex Van Halen called him out of the blue. That's kind of, and you know, since I don't know those guys, you know, to me, that sounds like kind of strange. Like why, how, why would Alex know Jason, you know? And, and, you know, you would think it would be somebody that, you know, I, I can't picture Alex hanging out with anybody other than like Eddie, <laughs> you know? And apparently he made a report that, that Alex called him and, and they were going to try to do a tour last year. Um, uh, with Joe Satriani, and I guess I guess and that would have to assume it would be David Lee Roth singing because think about this. Okay, first of all, okay, why are you calling Jason Newstead a bass player? Why wouldn't you be calling Wolfgang? Well, that invites the thought that maybe he did and Wolfgang declined. He's got his own thing going on, man, with Mammoth uh, WVH, and we just saw them uh, with Dirty Honey. On tour, and it was great, man. And I just think, you know, what, 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 you know, whatever you think of that, you gotta love the the kid because he could, he could just be the bass player in Van Halen, or just be Eddie's son the rest of his life, and he'll make enough money and he'll get enough attention, and that's just not what that kid is about. And I can't respect him enough for. It. And on top of it, the dude's talented, and it's a cool record. It's a great record. I listen to it all the time. And uh, anyway, so maybe he did, and, and and he was like, no, thank you. And, you know, I, I only want to be on stage in Van Halen with my dad. And, it, you, know, you know, if you're touring as Van Halen, it would help to have a second Van Halen in the band. But you also know that there ain't no way in hell, you know, that, let's see here, that, you know, if, so it's also a thing, too, like, well, gosh, if he called Jason Newstead, over Michael Anthony, that means that that also suggests, again, I'm not trying to start a bunch of fucking rumors. I'm trying to, to extinguish them. But that would suggest that too, doesn't it? That, well, that means that he didn't call Michael Anthony. So there must still be some weird, bad blood there between them. And so you know there ain't no way in hell that Sammy Hagar is going to go on tour as Van Halen with Alex and Jason Newstead or, and, and Joe Satriani and not Michael Anthony. So you know, so that that counts him out right there. So it looks like that it's some, and I, in my mind, I can't picture it either. And I'm not saying that, saying that I don't believe Jason Newstead, who I have a lot of respect for. One thing you don't quite realize though about Jason Newstead is how weird that dude is. You know, it's just funny how like I mean, I guess he's part of that San Francisco art world. But even when they were doing, when Metallica was doing that thing last year to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the Black Album. They did a lot of really ambitious stuff. And graciously, they made him a part of it. And graciously, he accepted. And he did this great unboxing in his ranch. And it was great to watch. But he's fucking weird, man. He's just a weird dude. And so I don't think anything that he's lying. But he just said that, uh, yeah, he agreed to go out there. And, and he made it sound like it was his decision to not, like, no, I can't do this. Um, I don't see how we could honor this. So anyway. So there's that uh, of him, you know. So, but think about that for a second. So I can't picture Alex Van Halen. He just seems, I know it sounds awful when I'm, I'm, I'm making assumptions, but he just seems like the most unambitious guy when it comes to this side of things. He's just a great drummer uh, that just wanted to be in his band with his brother. You know, you never, there's a reason why you don't see him in nine other bands and you don't see him on other people's records and you don't see him at other people's shows and, and you also know that dude loves to drink and party and the whole bit. So it just seems like, okay, I made enough money to live a life where I can just 
stay drunk and stay happy. And then when my brother wants to play, we play together. And then we go out on the road and I get to do my thing. But I'm not, I don't have any ambitions beyond that. You know, he doesn't need the money, you know. And uh, and last year, I don't know, maybe he thought he felt like he wanted to do some type of tribute like we're doing now. You know, I, I'd love to know that. Trust me, I reached out to Alex many, many times. Uh, and who knows, maybe we'll have him on one day. Uh, and so I don't like to speculate uh, before that, but I just thought that was some interesting news. Uh, and today, of course, is not the time or the place really to discuss it, other than the fact that it's just the newest thing. And I, I don't tend to jump on those things. Oh, this is the newest thing. I have a Van Halen podcast. I must report it. No, no, no. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna muddy this whole program up with that. But I thought that was interesting because, again, it does uh, uh, beg the question of like, okay. Does that mean that obviously you had to have asked Wolfgang and he must, so that, that confirms where, where Wolfgang is at. And, you know, again, once again, you, there's no way that he asked Sammy or, or, or Sammy was going to be part of it. And then of course, Dave wanted to retire. So does that mean that it wasn't either one of those guys? So could you imagine it being a Van Halen tribute and it was just Alex, Jason Newstead, Joe Satriani. And what if it was yet another singer? I don't think it would be, Sharon. <laughs> I don't think he would want to get himself in that that mess. So anyway, it's just it's all in good fun and it's good fun to, to think about. But um I just wish it wasn't necessary. I wish Eddie was here. And I got and you know, you always have those those celebrity um you know passings that always get you know get you. Uh you would think of course it, it, Prince would be the one, but I think I, I almost forget the Prince is gone. He's just such a part of my life that I almost still don't feel like I've ever actually mourned it. When Michael Jackson passed, we talked about him earlier, that I think remains the hardest. I still, sometimes I swear, I think about it and I get teary, but I was, this was so unexpected. I know he had cancer 20 years ago and everything else, but you know, you don't know these people. You're not on the day today. I did hear Dave talking about how, you know, they were trying to get the band together and they couldn't. And he said something about Eddie hitting, you know, you know, in, in Dave's speak, he, you know, uh, hit the wall on turn four, you know, in his David, Dave, Dave speak. But I didn't know what that meant. I just thought maybe he wanted to retire. Now we know that it was because, um, you know, I guess Eddie got some type of news that this was the end. And, uh, and so, you know, I just, it just feels like the end of fun. You know, I know it's been two years now. And so you're like, oh, you're just now mourning this. But it's just, it's just this, this, that guy who I never got to meet, by the way. The only member I've met Dave and I've met Michael Anthony. Um, and the only, uh, uh, you know, it's just, it's just for me, just that face, that name, that sound. Uh, right this second as I'm recording this, I have a whole wall of Van Halen stuff that I have over the year. I have a great letter that uh, his uh, his second and, and now his, I guess now his widow, uh, Janie wrote me, inviting me to the Madison Square Garden show in her own handwriting, which is something I will always will treasure. I was at the Cafe Wash show. I was at the the warm-up show at the Forum. I was at Jimmy Kimmel. Um, so I, I've been very, very fortunate to be at a lot of these Later moments, I, I didn't get to be there in 84. I didn't get to see the Hide Your Sheep tour, nor was I at the Us Festival. Uh, but now, like I, I, we call it Prince the Encore. This is what I call it. This is this is the Encore now. Dave Lee Roth said, you know, you wanted to see the legacy, continued legacy of, of Van Halen. You're looking at him. And then he, we were going to go out to Vegas uh, in January, and he canceled those shows. 
because of COVID, because he just didn't want to do it, didn't want to take a chance. Who knows? I hope we get to see him again. I hope we get to see all of them in, in, in some way that are still living. Uh, wouldn't that be great if they just did like one show with Dave and Alex and, and Michael and uh, and then maybe just like a, a, re- a revolving door of different, so that people don't have to shut up. Was Joe Shakriani? What? It should be so-and-so. Okay, well then let's let Joe do one and do one. And the whole thing is largely unnecessary, but it would be nice, uh, you know, in a sense to put a bow on it. So anyway, once again, uh, thank you for joining me for Diver Down, the life and legacy of Edward Van Halen. Uh, we're just getting started, folks. I hope you're subscribing. I hope you'll be following us because we got a long ways to go because I will be shouting and waving the flag and banner of Van Halen for as long as I'm physically able. Thank you again. We'll see you next week. Rock on. This has been a presentation of Tricky Kid Media Originals, distributed by iHeartRadio, created and directed by Roy Turner, edited and mastered by Marcus Miller. Theme music by The Buckpats. Original score by Jocelyn Hunt. Artwork by Antora Santi. Marketing and PR by Francesca Miles. Tricky Kid Radio is hosted by Roy Turner with introductions by me, Dana French. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week. Music is in my heart.